a sermon for the seventh Sunday after Trinity. Most of us are no strangers to masks. When I was a youngster and we just got a television, it seemed as if westerns were on the box every night. Rawhide, Bonanza, The Lone Ranger. You remember? The Lone Ranger was a bit eccentric, of course, because he masked his eyes rather than his nose and mouth. But then he was also prone to strange enthusiasms, like shouting, Hi-ho, silver away! I always felt sorry for Tonto. But the regular cowboys and the bandits, there were always plenty of them, they all knew how to whip on a mask if they were coping with swirling dust, cowboys, or robbing a bank, bandits. These masks were all good fun when I was a kid. But it's serious now. We're all going to have to get used to masks. Of course masks protect, but they also confuse. They disguise people's identity. That's why the bandits wore them, and the young protesters in Hong Kong and the United States. Masks prevent you from being quite sure of who or what you're seeing. There's an element of hiddenness, of mystery, behind a mask. In Old Testament times, unmarried women were masked, or at least veiled, and God was veiled too, hidden on Mount Sinai in cloud and thunder, or shrouded in incense in the Holy of Holies in the temple. God himself was masked. But Jesus did away with all that. He was God unmasked. He was God front on, full strength, or as much as a human being could contain of God without blowing a fuse. Jesus was committed to opening doors, revealing the truth, setting people free, calling out injustice and oppression of the poor. His ministry was about unmasking the truth. And that's where today's Gospel reading comes in, because here we have a whole succession of parables in Matthew 13, as Jesus unmasks the truth of the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom had been a rather shadowy concept before Jesus came along. It wasn't much used as a key descriptor of God's purposes. Nor, to be honest, was it much used after Jesus, mainly because people started talking less about the Kingdom and more about the King, Jesus himself. But for Jesus, the Kingdom is what his whole teaching and healing and living and dying was all about, bringing in the new age, the age of peace and justice and right relationships, a world where love is the way. Jesus was unmasking the Kingdom. So all these parables start by saying, the Kingdom of, Ho of God, of Heaven, is like this, a mustard seed that starts tiny and grows phenomenally, minute particles of yeast that mix with flour and end up able to feed over a hundred people, treasure found unexpectedly in a field, a pearl to dazzle all pearls discovered by an eager merchant, and so on. Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven is hidden in, behind and amongst everything. God is at work everywhere, pressing creation to its furthest and fullest potential. And that includes us. The kingdom of God is to be found within us, Jesus says. So look for it, unmask it, recognise it, sell your house for it. The kingdom of God is in bud all around you, don't miss it. That was the message of these parables. 
So is it? Is the kingdom in bud everywhere? Are you aware of this new creation, this kingdom of peace and justice and right relationships, this world where love is the way? Are you aware of it growing in our midst? Or is the jury still out? A rabbi was once teaching a class and a student asked him, Christians say the Messiah has already come. What do you think? The rabbi went to the window and looked down at the ordinary street below. Then he turned back and said, It doesn't look very much like it to me. Nor does it to most of us. But that's where we need to let Jesus take the masks off our eyes too. Because, says Jesus, the kingdom is already at work, well established and unstoppable. Wherever we see peace, justice, love, mercy, compassion, courage, forgiveness, grace, wherever we see these things getting a foothold, the kingdom is coming. Don't look for it just in church activities. God's building site for the kingdom is the world. The church is just the contractor's hut on the edge of the building site. Jesus invites us to build a new world, not a more comfortable hut. OK, so where do we see the kingdom coming? This last week I was involved in a webinar for the Balfour Project, which is committed to a fair political deal for Palestinians. Your kingdom come with justice. I spoke by Zoom at a, an international rally for the Iranian opposition in exile, seeking freedom for that troubled country. Your kingdom come with hope. We received out of the blue this week several phone calls and other messages asking after us, sending love and care and the promise of prayers. Your kingdom come with kindness. England won the second test against the West Indies. Your kingdom come with joy. An American pastor was killed this week when he stopped to help a driver whose car had caught fire. he just had time to push the driver out of the way of the truck that killed him instead. Your kingdom come with courage. And so it goes on. The kingdom unmasked. Millions of times a day, all over the world, the kingdom is coming. The challenge of Jesus' parables, these, these little explosives in the soul is to align ourselves with the ways of the kingdom, to commit ourselves to be on the side of the kingdom builders, the side of Jesus, and the mustard seed, the yeast, the treasure in the field, and the pearl of great price. In the Black Lives Matter protests, a popular slogan is, if you stay silent, you're part of the problem. And if we don't intentionally sign up to build the kingdom, then we're part of the problem too. God needs partners in the great project of shaping a new creation. OK, finally, the coming of the kingdom is in God's hands, not ours. But in the short term, he needs people like us to lay the foundations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth means us. We're the agents of the kingdom. We have to unmask the kingdom. St Ignatius, in his spiritual exercises, 
invites us to ask ourselves three needle-sharp questions. What have I done for Christ? What am I doing for Christ? What am I going to do for Christ? Those questions ought to keep us busy this week. That and getting used to our masks. Intercessions for Sunday the 30th of August From Psalm 26, appointed for today O Lord, we love the house in which you dwell and the place where your glory abides Loving God, we recognise our responsibility to encourage and uphold one another and to live together in peace and love we acknowledge our needs and our human weaknesses and come to you now with our prayers and petitions. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Everlasting God, we thank you for our church leaders locally in our deanery and throughout the Anglican Communion. We pray for all who preach your word, inspire, lead and grow us as disciples as we reach out to those in need in our communities and in our world. We thank you for Bishop John's gracious and loving direction of our worship, for Paul's guidance of our thoughts, for Martin returning to leadership with Anna by his side. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Creator God, we pray for our world leaders, for the royal family, for the Commonwealth and for the United Nations. We also pray for our national and community leaders and those in public office dealing with difficult situations, especially those involved with the serious problems associated with the pandemic. We thank you for the military medical leadership of Colonel Mike Smith as he takes up his new posting in the South. We ask for God's blessing on him, Hannah and Aurora. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father God, we pray for our children and grandchildren who are returning to school, colleges and universities to continue their education. We especially pray that all places of education will find ways of making teaching and learning safe as well as effective in such strange and difficult times. Help all students in their daily lessons, give them the wisdom to listen and to learn and to keep safe. Help their teachers and give them patience and knowledge to teach well, and help them all as together they learn the lessons of life. Let us remember Scott, Sandra, Judith, Susan, Julia, and all those who serve in our schools. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving God, we ask for your wisdom to discern your wishes and direction in our lives, 
and ask for your help to interact with others we encounter, those with whom we live and work, those we meet in shops and supermarkets, those with whom we share our roads, those who serve us in cafes and restaurants, where we never be a stumbling block to those we meet in our daily lives, and let us always protect them by following social distancing and other guidance. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we pray for all who we know who are housebound and in nursing homes, those in hospitals, in recovery and rehabilitation. We thank you for our local hospitals, health centres and clinics, and for all those working in sheltered accommodation and care homes. We think of Margaret Athorne and Margaret Emerson, Claire, Eva, Dennis and Christine Stedman's granddaughter Kate, Bob and Barbara, Jean Coulthard, Valerie Strawbridge, Judith Morton, Liz Atkinson, Shona Allen, Frank and Maureen Gibbon, Mary Hartnell, David Willey, Josh Winch. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, we pray for all those departed this life and for those who are bereaved by their passing. Help us to be sympathetic, caring and loving with the bereaved and also ready to help practically and to pray diligently in their time of greatest need. We pray for Ian and Isabel as they mourn the loss of Neil Short and recall those, the anniversaries of whose death falls this week. Diana, Princess of Wales, Simon Murray, George Stevenson, George Wagstaff, Simeon Hebben, Borget Krychek. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. <clears throat> Oscar Romero said that the hope that inspires Christians is this. We know that every effort to better society, especially when injustice and sin are so ingrained, is an effort that God blesses, that God wants, that God demands of us. Holy God, we thank you that your wisdom not only enlightens us, but transforms and guides us as we go from this place of worship and into our daily walk through life with you. Hold fast to that which is good. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> 